Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you're here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, this is something I've talked about on the show before, but it's about the importance of growing your network in person and virtually too, especially in today's time. So if you're looking for some tips on how to do that better, join me in my free five-day virtual networking training camp. There's a link in the show notes, click it, sign up. You'll get an email from me every day of the camp, and I'll give you some tips on how to be a better networker. All right. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us, someone who I know is sitting pretty right now, smiling big as his team just won the Super Bowl last month. Inside the huddle with us and ready to share his story and talk about moving the ball is Clifford Taylor IV. Just a little bit about Cliff's bio. Cliff is a social media personality and content creator who has over 330,000 followers on TikTok. And on that platform, he has had over 12 million likes on his content. But across all of his social media accounts, he's got over 650,000 followers, and he is always influencing and impacting people in a positive way. Currently, Cliff also works for the LA Rams, as I mentioned, on their social media and design team. And Cliff was a walk-on with the University of Florida football team, and he graduated at Florida with his degree in graphics design. Cliff, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. You've got your Super Bowl gear on. You're celebrating <laughs> still, which is it's a great accomplishment. Kudos to the team. And from the swamp with the Gators to the Super Bowl, you've had quite the journey so far as well. What a past couple, two or three years it's been. It's been unimaginable. Can't even fathom. It's been crazy. Sure. Well, I know the journey is just going to continue to be great for you. So let's start off with your story about being a walk-on at Florida. As my audience knows, I am an Alabama alum, so I got lots of SEC love <laughs> for the Gators, except when we play each other. And before we talk about your walk-on experience, I guess I'll just give some Florida love to some of my guys who are legends there, Chris Leak, Major Wright, both who are on teams that won national championships with Florida. So shout out to them. They're my guys, and they both know how to move the ball as well. So Cliff, tell us, what was your story like? What was your experience being a walk-on at Florida. First off, shout out Chris Lee. He's from my hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina. It was uh, one of those uncommon gym stories. So, you know, when I went up, all I played was basketball. It was strictly basketball. There was no like soccer, no baseball. It was like solely basketball. And so when I got accepted to Florida back in 2017, I just figured, okay, it's, well, I know getting a scholarship is kind of like out the window. Let me just try to, you know, walk onto the basketball team. You know, worst comes to worst. It doesn't happen. Well, the worst came to worst. And basically the coach that I was talking to at the time, his name was Dusty May. He got a head coaching job at uh, Florida Atlantic. So it was just like, 
all right, you kind of let me on my own here. So just my freshman and sophomore year, I was just there as a student, just, you know, playing intramural basketball and flag football. So go to my sophomore year and we just have one flag football game. And, you know, these guys are like on average, like five, eight, five, nine. And here I am like a six, five, six, six specimen, just like catching everything. And I just so happened to have a good game one night. And then a couple of football players were there. And my guy now, Robert Clay, was there, who was a walk-on DB. And he asked me, he was like, you ever thought about playing for the Gators? And I was like, no, oh, I never, no, I never even considered because I've never, I never played football. And he was just telling me about his experience and how it's been like such a culture shock and a culture change in his life. And I was just like, okay, it's like, cool. But in the heat of the moment, I kind of let it go through one ear and out the other because it's like, there's no way a guy who's never played is going to just walk onto a D1 football team, let alone an SEC powerhouse like the Gators. So that week just led up to the LSU game, which was Coach Mullen's like real first signature win. And I just kind of like sat back and I just kind of like looked around in the swamp and I was just like, okay, this might be pretty cool. So, you know, I prayed on, I thought about it and I was just like, you know what? Worst thing that happens is I don't make it. So I told my mom, I was like, mom, I I think I'm going to try to walk on. And she was scared. She was very scared. And uh, my dad was all for it because he was just like, oh my God, I could get free Gator tickets. So he was, he was, (laughs) he was thinking, you know, much further ahead. I was like, dad, I got, I got to make the team first. So lo and behold, they had a tryout in February, 2019. And then when we get to the tryout, it was only four of us and two of us made it. Me and my good friend, Michael Weir, who turned out to be a running back. When that trial happened, it was like a quick 40, 45 minutes. And then afterwards they told me, they were just like, Hey, We'd love to have you, but your schedule kills you. And I looked at him. I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, the time you have class is the time we have practice for spring ball. So I said, well, what does that mean for me? And so that that basically means like, oh, you just got to wait till June and then you'll come in and then get started. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's such a long time because granted, it's February. So like they might forget about me probably next week for all I know. And so I was just like, oh, okay, I got to I got to wait again. And so March goes by. April goes by, May goes by. No, I, I hear nothing from the Gators. June, I'm starting to accept it. That's like, oh, this is this is looking like it was too good to be true. And then, sure enough, June 21st, <laughs> hey, it's John Clark, player personnel. Uh, you ready? And I was like, oh yeah. And I and I was just about to fall asleep. And then he called me. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I go do the do the team physicals, fill out some information again. And next thing I know, it's like. All right, I'm 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 on the team. And so that was a wild experience. And lo and behold, junior year, we go out and win the Orange Bowl, which was amazing. That team was incredible. And then my senior year, I was just excited to have a new slate, you know, understand a new system. And then sure enough, quarantine happens. So it kind of puts a shift on everything. It's just like, oh man, like this was my time to like, you know, showcase what I could bring in spring ball and all that good stuff. And it's like, well, guess we gotta wait. So Quarantine goes by, it lasts till about June or July. And then we, we start workouts again. And then when camp starts and, you know, you see the systems and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm not new to this anymore. So now I'm like comfortable being able to do all these things. And so, you know, I kind of came in with a new swagger and a new attitude and, you know, Coach Brewster could kind of see it. So me and him, me and him still get along to this day. And so, uh, yeah, like that season that it just, it just came and went. And of course, during that time, you know, I developed, you know, a little bit of, of TikTok fame as as it kind of was beginning to incline during quarantines. But yeah, like those two years, I mean, it just came and went. It was literally a dream come true. Unbelievable. 
Well, there's a couple of things that I like as I hear you tell the story. One, I mean, you can hear the confidence in your voice and the excitement around this experience. And I think that's important because it's important for us to go take the shot, right? Go after something, even if we don't have those skill sets or it's something that we haven't done before. If it's something that's important to you and you want to try it, then figure out what you need to do and go after it, right? And even if you didn't make the team, you know, it'd be a great experience. You did. And so you had some wonderful experiences, but it's about being willing to put yourself out there and see what happens. Right. And I think that's, what's important. It's an important takeaway for people listening. If you've been thinking about doing something, just go do it and see what happens. So you mentioned TikTok and how you had grown your following. So let's jump there. Tell us about how did you get started? I mean, TikTok over the last few years has really grown in popularity, right? People putting out video content. What made you start and tell us about that experience? So our specialist, who's like the juice guy who like rides the pedal, like when, when we do kickoffs and Marco Ortiz, who's our long snapper, they would just come in the corner of our locker room and they would just show us new TikTok videos every single day. Some of them were funny. And then at the time, I was just like, oh, this is just a fine ripoff. Like, I'm not going to join this little, this little stupid app. And so lo and behold, some of my good friends, they were talking about it, too. And it's like, OK, well, you guys are talking about it and they're talking about it. Let me just see what it's about. So at first I was like scrolling and I was like funny dancing, funny, not funny, dancing. And I was like, oh, this is literally just Vine. And then I came across a video. It was the I Know My Purpose Challenge. And so it was this, this little, uh, it's like this little white kid. And it was the song Baby Breaking by Gunna, except it kept saying, I know my purpose. I know my purpose. I know my purpose. And so his video was being the only white guy on pretty much an all black AAU team. And he was like, shooting threes, giving the team rides, just like the stereotypical stuff. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. And then I just I just remember sitting down. I'm like, huh, no one's done it for football. I was like, you know what? What the heck? You know, I'm, I'm bored. I got nothing going on. So I made it. And you can even tell, I mean, it was so important. I had to drop the phone and like back up and just like do it. And so, you know, I did it in like one take and, you know, just added the little, you know, effects. It's like when you're a walk on on the football team, scout team this, scout team that, scout team that, you know, bench hype man or something like that. And so I just made the video on one take and I just, you know, I was like, okay, upload, whatever. If it goes to my friends, cool. You know, just something goofy, just pretty much to myself. Sure. And then I put my phone down and then I wake up and my phone, like it felt like I left it outside for 40 minutes straight in 90 degree heat. I mean, I picked it up and it was just like, I mean, I was scrolling for like five minutes. It was like, like the video, like the video, like, and I was like, I didn't boost this or I didn't promote this mm-hmm. in any way. Like what's going on? And then I look, it's at like a hundred thousand views and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of cool. And so sure enough, I go in the locker room that day and Freddie Swain, he's like, Hey Cliff, do that thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like imitating like the look. And I was like, what are you? And I, and I looked at him like, I was confused. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm just doing your little video. And I was like, Oh wait, y'all saw that. And they're like, yeah, like it's everywhere. And, and by the time practice starts, it's at 400,000 views. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, like that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's interesting. And so, you know, I'm looking and I'm just like, all right, I guess, you know, this is my one viral moment. Cool. And then my friends were like, you got to do another one. You got to do another one. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I just winged the second and third one. Those again did good. And then the fourth one, it was me talking about pretty much the stereotypical life of a college athlete during Christmas break while everyone's home, you know, practice, you know, eating whatever is open on campus, you know, eating whatever's, whatever's left in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, huh, 
I guess this will do okay. Next thing I know, Overtime picked it up. House of Highlights picked it up. And it was like, oh, snap. So now, now I'm starting to think like, okay, is this something that I'm just going to keep doing as like a hobby? Is this, or am I, am I just going to chill out here? And I was like, nah, I'll keep going. Sure. Because I made videos like during the Orange Bowl, made videos during Christmas and they were, they were going crazy. And the next thing I know, when we go back to Florida after the Orange Bowl and I started going out to these places, they're like, people started recognizing me. They're like, yo, you're, you're so-and-so from TikTok. And I was like, who, me? And, and at that time I had about like 10,000 followers, maybe nothing special. Uh-huh. And they're like, yo, you're the guy from TikTok. I was like, I guess. And so people, you know, started taking pictures and I'm like, well, I'd be a fool to stop now. So sure. <laughs> to this day, I don't know how these ideas were just coming in my head. It just, it just happened. And it was just like, okay, got an idea, got an idea. And I would just start posting nonstop. And then Gator fan pages started picking it up. Teammates started picking it up. And then I garnered a new nickname in the locker room. Everybody just, instead of calling me clip, they just started calling me TikTok. And I'm like, well, this is my thing now. And so, you know, I've been doing it for a little over two years now. And quarantine is when it really that's when it really took off. Cause I, I had a steady like 80, 90 K going into quarantine. But mm-hmm. once we had all that free time, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to you know make videos in my spare time. And next thing I know, it just went through the roof. And then my signature TikTok, which is still probably the greatest one I've done to this day was the video where I had one of my jerseys on and I was listening to music and it went from hip hop to like big time rush. And it's like, what you're listening to, what you're actually listening to. And, I mean, it was everywhere. My friends back home were talking about it. My friends, you know, in New York were talking about it. My friends all over Florida. And it was so viral. I think it ended up on iFunny. And I haven't used iFunny since I was in middle school. So that's when I knew it was like, okay, this is legit. And so ever since then, I've been making videos. Yeah. And that's the beauty about social media and technology today. I mean, you can be a content creator. Back in the day, you had to be on television or get on radio, right? To be able to to be known by people. But now with all of these different platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, you can put your content out there and reach people, have an influence and create a brand. Right. And so there are a lot of people that are thinking about TikTok as an example, but they haven't yet got on it yet. What kind of tips would you share with them to help them really kind of kickstart and accelerate kind of their progress? I don't want to say growth because it's not just about growth, but I mean, their influence, you know, to have higher quality experiences with them as a content creator. I would say there to be different, but also be authentic about it, in my opinion, because I feel like nowadays it's hard to garner an audience. I mean, you got to have some sort of niche, some sort of hashtag, some sort of like brand that resonates with you. Because before it was easy because before you could just do a video about anything football related and that would go crazy because it was TikTok was still like up and coming. Mm-hmm. But now you really got to sit back and like think about it. It's like, OK, like what is the most clever way or clever approach of making a video and getting it out there? So. I would say be real, have fun, be patient. That's what a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, fail to do. I'm guilty of that. Like when I first started, I was very impatient, but be patient. Not everything is going to blow up. You know, things happen for a reason. Right. Just stay true to your brand. It's going to grow. Like I have a good friend of mine. His name's Tawei and his TikTok is The Hooded Menace. And so I remember when he started making videos and he was, you know, complaining about like, yo, it's like, why are my videos blowing up? And I was like, I promise you. Trust me, it's going to grow. And now he has like 13,000 followers. And I look at him now and say, see, Mm -hmm. I told you, patience. But that's the thing about it. You just got to be different in some capacity. And the cool thing I love about collaborations is like you get to bring those different things to the table and bring them together. Absolutely. So when you look at guys like, you know, a destroying uh, an AJ Green, Mm -hmm. Mr. Go 30, who I think is 
hilarious. Oh, he's awesome. Yes, we had him on the show. I don't know how he does it so quickly. I don't know where he gets the shirts from, (laughs) but he, oh man, he kills me. Like when he came to the scene, I I remember the very first video of him I saw was his coach at his player's funeral. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting here, I'm like, this dude is going to blow up. This dude is going to blow up because it was new. It was refreshing. And and now he's he's taking Coach 30 to a... Oh, he's doing... Yeah. I mean, he just... I mean, he just zoomed right past me, past AJ, like past all of us. And it's just like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. So, it, yeah, it's all about just, you know, keeping it real and just being unique about it, really. You bring a couple of great things I want to highlight. One is being different, right? How are you going to distinguish yourself? And that's whether you're a content creator, you're a service provider, a business, whatever. It's all about that differentiated value that you bring into the quote unquote marketplace, the digital space. But second, it's about you know being patient. It doesn't happen overnight. But along with that, being patient is being consistent. Absolutely. Right. You have Absolutely. to you have to keep posting, keep putting that content out, and you never know what's going to stick and and what's not. And you can't get discouraged when things don't blow up to your point or you don't get a ton of likes. And it's also, I would encourage people to think about the impact that you're making, not just the number of likes. Because I think so many people get focused on the number right. of likes, right. you know, only 10 people. Well, how do you know that those 10 people that you reached, maybe that made the difference for them today? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not just about the numbers and the quote unquote metrics. It's about what you're doing out there to help other people move the ball. And I think in today's society, we get so caught up in just the followers, the likes, and we get discouraged if we don't see all those things. Absolutely. So let's talk about you being with the Rams. Congratulations again on uh, winning the Super Bowl. Tell us about that journey. I have a lot of folks that listen to the show that, you know, people reach out to me and they're like, hey, you know, I want to get into the sports industry. What can you share? How can I get started? So tell us about I me. Mean, I know you were already in sports on the football team, but tell us about the progression to getting to the Rams. You want to talk about stars aligned. So after my college career was over, I garnered uh, an internship with Wilson Sporting Goods. They had this program called Winning Edge. And so it was like a six-week program for, you know, current or former college athletes. And so my role was being a talent and influencer strategist. So when NIL was supposed to start during the wintertime, we came up with a project of identifying over 150 content creators who are athletes or former athletes. And we'll narrow that list down to three for people that Wilson could be potential partners with in the future. So it was a six-week program, did a whole bunch of research. And then we did a presentation to the entire Wilson board, which was, you know, amazing. And then about, I'd say a week after it was done, my then boss, Jamie Hahn, who was the manager, senior manager of social media for the Rams, she posted, she said, looking for social media coordinator. I knew I wasn't going to get it at the time. So I just kind of like commented with everyone else. Is that so? With the eye emojis. And Wilson, they tagged me and they said, you want us to say something on your behalf? And I said, listen, I know it's probably not going to work, but I will certainly take it. So they do. And then next thing I know, the Rams are asking for my resume and cover letter. And it's like, oh, snap. This is, uh, okay, got to shift gears here. So I sent my resume, cover letter to them. Spoke to some people before I even got in the interview process, which is something I highly recommend. Don't wait for them to reach out to you. Start reaching out to, you know, members of the organization beforehand so you can already have a good, like a sort of a good rep before you go into your interviews. That's one thing I highly recommend to anyone trying to work in sports, especially sports and social media. And then next thing I know, I have a round of interview. And they told me on that interview, they narrowed that list from about 400 to 14. And I was like, whoa, that's... I'm, and I joked them. I was like, let me guess. Was it the cover letters? They were like, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. But that's another thing. Make sure you have a cover letter, a resume, 
listen, your resume could be the prettiest one in the world, but if you don't have a cover letter nine times out of 10, they just gonna cross you off right then and there. And so I had my interviews with them. And so they told me I wasn't going to get the coordinator role, but they threw me into another opportunity of doing social and design. So when I saw the, the descriptions, I was like, this is more suited for me because, you know, social media, which I thought I was pretty good at and graphic design, of course, was, was my major mm-hmm. in Florida. So it was like killing two birds with one stone. And I was just like, hey, this is this is better. And so sure. got thrown in that line of interviews. They all went really well. And it's crazy because my, my former teammate, Van, Van Jefferson, he spoiled it for me, you know, mm-hmm. just just got a new baby, you know, Cham Jefferson. But he spoiled it for me because I was just in my uh, apartment and he, and he texted me. He was like, hey, congrats, man. And I'm like, I'm just eating. A, I'm just eating a burger. What did I? What did I do? And then five minutes later, Jamie calls me. She's like, "Hi, we want to offer you the role." And I was like, "Oh, that's what you meant." And so right then and there, I was just like, "Right, I guess I'm going to LA because I'm not saying no to this opportunity." So sure. From from right then and there, I think it was in June when I got that call. And next thing I know, boom, Rams house. So. That was a game changer. And so I learned so much about social media in the sports world, behind the scenes, everything that goes into it. Being on the other side of that coin in the world of football, because I'm so used to just being like a player. I'm not used to being like marketing, ticketing or media, whatever the case may be. So Mm -hmm. being on the other side, like literally right after my college career, it was awesome. It was like full circle. So, you know, I would see these players walk out and, you know, to me, it's just like, oh, yeah, like those are the guys. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't play football and I was doing it, I know my insults would be like, oh my God, it's Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. But, you know, me being around him so much, it was just like, okay, yep, Jalen, Aaron. So I think I fit right in right away. It was unbelievable. Right. I still pinch myself like this season really happened. First year in the league and it's just like Super Bowl champs, you know, it's you can't make it up. <laughs> Right. Definitely a great experience. And I'm glad that your time with the Rams has been exciting and fun so far and hopefully it continues to give you lots of great experiences, great memories and great challenges as well. So you mentioned something about when you got the role that Wilson asked if they wanted to speak on your behalf. Right. And I think that's important. You talked about also like reaching out to people before the interview, getting to know people in the organization, which goes back to what I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is networking. Right. It's all about connecting with people, having a, an, a strong network is important no matter what industry you're in, especially in sports. It is a small world. And so having people, it's very competitive. Yeah. And so having people advocate on your behalf is such an important thing. So I just want people listening to take that away is make sure that you're focusing on your network in whatever industry you're in. I mean, I can't tell you being a woman in sports, it wasn't easy. Right. And there are a lot of people that didn't see the value. When I published my book, Move the Ball, you know, I was out there gung-ho like oh, I want to tell people in football what all these great things I wrote about nobody cared back then right nobody was willing to listen and then certain I started networking more and then certain people were willing to listen were willing to be open-minded and then they were willing to advocate on my behalf for other people to talk to me and want to learn more about what the brand was. And that's kind of how this movement grew. But it was all because I was putting myself out there to network. And so to your point, you want to get out there early and start networking with people before you get a job interview. So that way you have contacts, you have people that can advocate, can champion, you know, why you are the right person for a particular role. And so I think that's very smart of you to do that uh, before the interview. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's talk about the Rams just a little bit more. What's the culture like with the Rams organization? In the corporate world, it's interesting. They'll tell you when you start, everything is like peaches and roses. Everything is this. Everything is that. 
Uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is sometimes you go in here and it's like the exact opposite. You know, I'll be honest, like within our social team, it's four of us. I'll never have anything bad to say about any one of them. Love Patty, Kurt and Christy to death. No, I'm name dropping, but love them to death. But it was just some of the higher powers. And I started like noticing the smallest of things. Okay. It's like you say we're family, but it's like, I don't see that happening at times. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot more good than there than it is bad within the Rams. I mean, hey, the reason I'm wearing this hat, right? But it was just like little things. NFC Championship game. A lot of people don't notice. NFL took a lot of it over, you know, so be it. But everyone in my team was in the same spots except me. I didn't even get to see the game. I had to sit in like a little like cubicle box and watch the game on TV while hearing the sound outside the stadium. Mm. I just remember sitting there just like, honestly, like kind of tearing up a little bit because it was just like, I felt like I was like the missing link. Like I understand like my way of coming in was so non-traditional compared to everyone else. But too many times I felt like I was the outcast. Like granted, like none of us out here are perfect. Like we're all going to like make mistakes here and there, but it just felt like, it felt like there was just too much like happening like towards me and I wasn't really feeling it. And I'll give another recent example, Super Bowl parade. We're all working it, you know, social teams got to get content of the players, all that good stuff, holding the party. So we go through security and I, I tell them my name. I don't have a credential had to beg and plead for a credential. So that's when the writing was on the wall a little bit. And then I think the kind of like final straw was when after the parade was over and they were letting staff take pictures with the Lombardi, they were letting staff who were just working the event, not even working for the Rams hold the trophy. So I go to try to take a picture and they cover it up. And I'm just like, it's not, it's not like I'm going to throw it. It's not like I'm going to drop it. I'm, I'm just, I just want to take a picture with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, at first I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's a big deal. So I, I walked to the lab where I was getting some stuff up. And then I turn around, more people are taking pictures. And I'm just like, okay. So I go back in for like 30 minutes, walk back out. People are still taking pictures. And I'm looking and I'm just like, okay, let me try it one more time. So I go, sure enough, same thing. Just cover it. And I was just kind of like, all right, that's how this goes. And so, again, like I said, a lot more better than good. But I, I, it was just like little things that, you know, just start to pile up. And so I'll say this. I talk about this sometimes, like on my social media. Moving to L.A. from Florida was a culture shock. It was very different. Didn't have any family. Mm-hmm. I had like two mental breakdowns out here where, you know, a lot of people, I feel like, don't talk about it enough. But like there were two times where L.A. almost killed me. Mm-hmm. And there were times where I just felt like I didn't belong within the team. I didn't feel like I belonged out here because imposter syndrome is a real thing. Sure. And so I was like, there were times where I just felt like, why am I here? Because I didn't have anything. Like my family was 2000 miles away. All my Mm -hmm. friends were literally miles away. And I just felt alone out here. And I talked to a few resources, talked to a few family members, but yeah. Like there were times and that's what a lot of people don't know. Like during the season, there were times where L.A. almost took me out for good. But, you know, thankfully, I was able to see it through. I started focusing up a lot more and was able to see the finish line. And not only that, but see the finish line with my best friend, which was kind of like the icing on the cake. And when I called him, I said, hey, how'd you like to come to the Super Bowl? It felt like we were 10 year olds again, you know, just playing football in the backyard, playing basketball because we had just so much fun. And so that was definitely much needed. But yeah, L.A., it's a culture shock. No doubt about it. 
Jen, let's talk about that for a minute because mental health is important. It's something that people struggle with a lot, especially over the last two years. Social media has uh, exacerbated people's feelings in, in certain regards, right? Because they're comparing themselves to what they see. And, and and so how did you, you mentioned that there were a couple of times when, you know, you were not in a great place. What were some of the things that you did to get you out of that and that you would recommend for people that might be struggling today? One thing I will say is Getting our new guy, our new boss, her guys was a game changer because a lot of people don't know and it's going to blow some people's minds. So when Jamie left before the season, it was just me, Christy and Patty and Patty and I are 22 and Christy's 23. So imagine the three of us, some youngsters fresh out of college running a professional sports team's account. It was a lot for honestly, all of us. Mm -hmm. It was a little better for them because they had family out here and they're from California. And so I remember before Kurt even had his first date with us. He messaged me on Twitter and we were just chopping it up. And next thing I know, he comes in and like those conversations that I wanted to have with someone within the organization before I was able to have with him. And so he was able to tell me a little bit about his experience and how he dealt with the same thing and how he reached out to different resources, family, friends, and things like that. So Mm kind of having that, we created a brotherhood so quickly. It was just like, it was effortless. And so You know, definitely talking to him, talking to my agent, Mike Raymond, a lot. You know, he would kind of like keep me, you know, on my toes and, you know, my good friends like, you know, AJ, my mom and my dad. So definitely talking to them and then, you know, speaking to the NFL, you know, Lifeline a couple of times here and there. But um, it definitely helped because I definitely had to kind of sit back and, you know, just kind of look at myself in the mirror and say, like, okay, like, how are we, you know, we don't quit. We don't do that. And so it's just like, how how are we going to, you know get through this thing? How are we going to do this? And so I just, I would just sit down just kind of like, just, you know, every day, just to kind of like write how I'm feeling, how things could, could get better. And just kind of, I would just like pray on it. Cause I think the biggest misconception is, is that, that like men, like they can't have like feelings because, you know, you, you look at some guys like, I mean, Hey, you look at guys like a Kanye West or even a guy like Pete Davidson or guys like that. And, or even an MJ when he was still alive and, you know, they, they went, they used to go through depression. People used to like, you know, teasing for it. It's like, yo, it's like, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like we're human beings. Like we deal with the same stuff. We're not superheroes. People forget that. It's like, yo, just because we work in sports or we're athletes, we're still humans. So I think that's, right. that's what people fail to realize. But I would say talking has definitely been a real game changer. And then of course, I can't say all that without my best friend, who's like a sister to me, Kiki. She's one of my best friends. So she always is willing to give it to me straight. So I appreciate her too. Oh, that's awesome that you had some great people. I I know AJ. AJ is great. Mike Raymond. Shout out to Mike. Mike's awesome as well. So let's talk real quickly uh, before we wrap the show. I I know you and Mike have been doing some great things, some great brand partnerships Mm -hmm. as well. You did a campaign with Snickers, with Gatorade. Tell us about those real quick. So last year they had this open opportunity for people to join their social squad. So they had this sort of tryout thing where you would do a video explaining why you should be a part of the squad. And a good friend of mine, Trey Fields, I talked to him a little bit because he was already on Team Gatorade. I'm like, yo, get, yo, Trey, I'm like, what's a way to make me stand out? And, and without saying a word, he just said one word, storytell. And I was like, perfect. So that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. So all I did was talk about my story about, you know, being a walk on. And the next thing I know, Gatorade was all in about two weeks later. They're like, hey, we're excited to uh, welcome you to the squad. And I was like, oh, snap, I'm part of Team Gatorade now. And it's crazy because it's like, right. you know traditionally walk-ons, it's like, they just come and go. They don't, they, you know, they're mm-hmm. like forgotten. And I really wanted to change that narrative. Like granted, I didn't, you know, play at all, but I was like, you know what, if anything, I want to like change the narrative and like help 
bring in the next generation. Because too many of these sure. coaches out here say that like this is your last game in high school. This is, I'm like, nah, man. Like I call B on that. So I definitely wanted to change the narrative. And so when Gatorade signed, when I signed with Gatorade, it was just like this is the real. And that's really when a lot of my old teammates started paying attention. They were like, oh snap, like he's doing this the right way. And it's funny because they would tell me they were like, dude, you were literally in our team presentation today back in Gainesville. And I was like, really? I was like, oh, cool. You're doing something good. So uh, getting Mike definitely helped with that because, you know, as far as negotiating, I had no experience with it. Yeah. And you know, I was just like, Mike, I need you, big dog. So it was cool on those Zoom meetings and kind of hear, you know, how it works because, you know, Michael sure. is one of the best out there. I'm telling you, Raymond Rep is coming hot this year. So uh, I was able to work with Gatorade. You know, I was invited to uh, a Super Bowl party a couple of weeks ago, which was incredible. And it was so cool being like one of the youngsters there. Everyone else is kind of like in their mid 20s, 30s, 40s. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, who's this um, youngster? They were looking at me like, who's this guy? And I was like, hey, I'm Clifford. I'm part of the social squad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was cool being able to work with them. Still uh, going to continue working with them. And then the hilarious thing about Snickers is I'm allergic to chocolate, right? Okay. And so I told Mike, I'm like, Mike, you know I'm allergic to chocolate. He's like, it's all good. All you got to do is hold it. I'm like, <laughs> oh man. So, you know, we just made some videos, went to work and Snickers loved it. And so next thing I know, we were team Snickers, which was great. And then he told me Crocs wanted to do something, which mm-hmm. was like, whoa, like I never, I never had Crocs growing up. I always said I wanted some. My mom always said she wanted mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. never had them growing up. And so when they wanted to do something and they were doing a new year campaign, I was like, Okay, let me just work. Well, imagine we make a couple of videos and we'll be on our way. And so they gave me free Crocs. And I tell you, I have not stopped wearing them to this day. I wear them. Sometimes I wear them when I'm out going to the mall, when I'm at the airport, you know, just like walking around like in my apartment. It's my new love. Like I, I love I love these. things. I'm, I'm actually wearing them right now. And so he's been incredible. Oh, and, and my personal favorite, anybody that knows me knows that I've grown a passion for jewelry a little bit. And so in college, my signature, I had these signature chains where it was like my initials, like CNT. Mm-hmm. And so that was how people recognized me. And so I was like, I need to switch it up. I need to change it up. And so he told me we got to deal with Shop GLD. And Shop GLD is like the Met Gala or the Nike of jewelry. So I was just like, yo, we got to do this the right way. And I took a different approach with that because I noticed a lot of college athletes were partners with Shop GLD. And I said, how can I, because I'm not an athlete anymore. So I was like, how can I stick with these guys? Because a lot of these deals are like month deals, sure. two to three months. And I was like, how do I stand out? So I got my guy, Johnny Baru, who's incredible with the camera. We got a studio out in Hollywood. And I said, we are going to make this thing pop. So bought a whole new wardrobe, all white to match the jewelry. And we just went straight to work. And not even 24 hours later, they said, we want to do a whole year deal with you. And I was like, yep, that's the key. If you stand out, these deals are going to want to stay with you. Because, you know, you can say, oh, I work with Wilson or Gatorade, you know, to the crack of dawn. But it's like, you ain't doing anything long term with them. So that's kind of the approach I take. So now I got like a long term deal. It's like every month I could get jewelry as long as I get a photo shoot. In. And it's like, that's perfect because, you know, I love me a good camera. So <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I think that's important. We talked about being different, differentiating yourself. That's super important. And I like that you're thinking long term. It's not just about a one-off deal, right? Or how can I do this thing for this one month? It's how can I position myself and my brand so that I can have longevity with this partnership, yeah. right? With this other brand, which brings you jewelry and fun content 
brand and experiences. And so I think that's important for people who have their brands think about, you know, it's not just about the quick gain. It's about the long-term strategy. Absolutely. And it'll change your life because I mean, hey, got me an opportunity to go to a NASCAR event, got me an opportunity to go to an LA Kings game. They gave me a sweet LA Kings custom jersey, which I still have. I'm going to frame it. You know, next time I go to a Kings game, I'm going to wear it. But after that, I got to frame it because it is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. The other thing I wanted to highlight that you talked about is storytelling or, or the advice that your friend gave. And I think that's the important thing. I think you've done a great job of embracing your story. You were a walk-on at the University of Florida, never played in an actual game, but you served a role, you brought value in a different capacity, and you've embraced that, right? And made that work for you. And I think all of us have stories and experiences, and we might not have been a starter on the football team or the number one salesperson or whatever in our career, but what is your story? And embrace that story and make that work for you and use that to differentiate yourself and your brand. And that's how you get opportunities. Absolutely. And that's really what originated the Clifford Show, really. Right. Because I remember I was at a high school game around here with, with AJ, and the way these kids responded to us was like, was crazy. And I noticed in the crowd, like they were saying AJ, they were saying AJ TV, mm. which is his brand, his hashtag. Right. And I never was big with the, you know, walk-ons, you know, FYPs and all that. I never was really big into personal hashtags mm-hmm. until that happened. For sure. And I, like, and I asked him, I was like, AJ, I was like, how long have you had that, that hashtag? He's like, I've only had it for like a few months now. And I was like, really? And so at that point, we were just kind of sitting there and we just like, AJ, I need your help. I need a hashtag. I need something. You can't be CTV because that's too close to you. And I was just like, Clifford the Big Red Dog, you know, that's a show. And I was right. like, oh, that's it. The Clifford Show. Yeah. It's, it's short, sweet, and to the point. And plus, you know, my TikTok is just my first name. So it's just like, that's it. The Clifford Show. Because if you just use hashtag Clifford, Nine times out of 10, Clifford the Big Red Dog is going to show yes. up. Or the guy from Five Seconds of Summer, Michael Clifford. So I was just like, nah, 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 I don't, I don't need that on my conscience. So I was like, that's it, the Clifford show. Right. And so I've just been running with it. And so like, you know, hearing you say it before, it was just like, yes. Like, now I know it's like really beginning to gain traction. And so that kind of leads me to this other point too. When I kind of shifted like back to the whole walk on things, because I, I, I noticed something before when I was doing a podcast, they really wouldn't ask me about my social media, they would ask me more about my walk-on story. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of had to put two and two together. It's like, okay, do I keep doing skits, which I can do in my sleep? I can do skits in my sleep. Right. Or do I kind of shift gears and, you know, kind of become more of a storyteller, more informative? And I was like, let's do that route, you know? Right. Because it's, it, it's different. It's organic, authentic. And so that's what started Walk on Wednesdays, which was just a plan of mine. I, I always see, I love answering these guys' questions because they ask me like straight up, like, what's it like being an athlete? What's it like doing this? Do you get all the uh, amenities and all that? And it's like, mm-hmm. these are questions that I love to answer. And so that's why I developed the whole series Walk on Wednesday. So every Wednesday, when guys have questions or when current walk-ons have questions, I answer about four to five of them every single Wednesday. Stalled a little bit the last couple of weeks because of, you know, of course, Super Bowl and parade, but you know, got back into it. It did great. And so being able to maintain that audience and kind of show like, this is what you do. This is what you can experience. Cause there's no sugarcoating. Right. I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, walk on is the easiest thing. Like, no, it's not. I promise you it's not. Sure. The grind is the same. You got to work 10 times harder to even get in, you know, special teams is huge. 
a lot of times these guys, they contemplate it, but I want to shut that contemplation down and just be like, no, like if you're even contemplating it, just go do it. In my opinion, just, just go out and do it. Like the worst thing that happens is you don't make it. And so that's why I love like responding to Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs where these guys ask me about like, Hey, I'm so-and-so, how can I get out there? And I'll tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, join the air app, you know, DM these coaches because you never know when it might be your day. So I always try to, you know, encourage people. And so that's one thing I love about this community is like these guys understand, you know, that I didn't play a game, but it's like they know that I was able to experience what it's like being a D1 athlete. And that's okay. and that's what these guys appreciate. And I, you know, I appreciate mm-hmm. them for, you know, listening to me. And so that's what's really been starting, you know, the whole walk on thing. And so I'll never forget this kid who called me the CEO of the walk ons. And, you know, everybody has like their niche. And I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, like when I wrote Move the Ball, the book, I thought it was a book about football. I didn't know it would grow into this movement about people thinking about how are you going to move the ball every single day? And people used right. to, to say to me, you know, what what could you possibly know about football? Being a woman, you never played. Well, I've studied, studied this game since I was four years old. So I've taken these lessons and these strategies and I mean, I've taken as much away from the game. I've actually taken away more from the game than a lot of other people as I mean, guys that have won Super Bowls have been like, damn, Jen, you know more about football than guys I played with. And so, I mean, we all have our value, right? Just because you didn't suit up and play on game day doesn't mean you, ha- you don't have value to bring to people. Absolutely. And so I think you, you've done a great job. I mean, people hashtag move the ball all the time today and share how they're moving the ball on the football field outside of it. And so it's, it's interesting how things that you create kind of just catch on. Right. And it's just, it just brings you to an amazing experience and journey. And I know you're doing great things with being the CEO of the walk on with the Clifford show and all the, the great content you're putting out. We will be sure to put all of your social links and everything in our show notes as well. So people can follow you on your journey. What I want to do now is run you through my two minute drill and ask you some fun questions to wrap the show. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? A professional basketball player. Okay. Next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Humble, charismatic, and outgoing. What is one thing most people don't know about you? I play four musical instruments, and my favorite band of all time is Earth, Wind & Fire. Wow. I have about 100 songs in my playlist. Earth, Wind & Fire is listening to them since I was like three or four. They are the OGs for sure. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Would it be Earth, Wind & Fire or something else? Ironically, no. It would be, um, I would say, Set It Off by Lil Boozy. Okay. <laughs> something about that song, it just, it, just, it just gets to me. Okay. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? So I'm actually currently reading uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Tim Tebow. He has a book mm-hmm. called Mission Possible. You know, he dropped it a long time ago. I finally, you know, got my hands on it. And so I've been reading it and just like understanding, kind of just being in the eyes of Tim Tebow and why he's so faithful and why he's so thankful for every opportunity he's given. That's kind of the same approach I want to take in this everyday life because growing up when watching Tim Tebow, you know, being a Gator, because like my dad was a Gator, I used to try to throw in my left hand. I used to try to celebrate, you know, like Mm -hmm. Tim Tebow. Like Tim Tebow was my hero and still is my hero. Like anytime I see him on TV or like anytime I... But one time I saw him in person, it was just like, like, whoa. Because like, I remember when I when I did skills and drills with him and he threw me a ball and I was just like, oh, snap. Yes, like I caught a ball from Tim So I've definitely been reading that. And two podcasts I've been listening to is I Am Athlete with mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall and Chad and The Pivot with Freddie T and Channing. Because those those were my favorite guys. When they did a podcast with Cam Newton, I, I loved this. So I 
I've been hooked ever since. They do a great job. I saw Brandon a couple months ago. I mean, fantastic work that, that both of those shows do. And so great podcast for people to check out. My last question is you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Kobe Bryant, because just his philosophy on and off the court is just something that I try to take with me in my everyday life. He says, if you love what you do, it doesn't seem like work to you. So right. that's Kobe was always my hero. The reason why eight's my favorite number. I still, I actually have his jersey hanging right there behind me always. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say him. Maurice White, leader of Urban Empire. I'll do him. That was another one of my idols, even though he was much older than I am. And then I'll go a little different. I'll say Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, who's my favorite rapper. So, Okay, great choices. And lastly, do you sing in the shower? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling it, you know, a little Urban Empire here and there. Mary J. Bly, you know, who knows? You know, might okay. rap a little bit. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Cliff, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great hearing about your story and your insights and just all the great things that you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you liked today's episode, please be sure to share it with somebody else that you think would find the show to be of value. And again, if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.